listening to the Best of Living Wealthy Radio with Teresa Kuhn. Be sure to catch our show live every Sunday on 1370 AM Austin. For information, archives, and upcoming presentations, visit our website at www.livingwealthyradio.com. What if there was a place where your hard-earned cash could grow safely and sanely without being pilfered by bankers, Wall Street, tax collectors, or other persons of dubious character? A place where you could say no to the motion sickness-inducing ups and downs of the stock market. Where you didn't have to grovel on your hands and knees every time you wanted to borrow money from some tight-fisted banker who collects all your private data and then turns you down. Such a world sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Well, it isn't. All you need to do is call toll-free right now and ask for your Living Wealthy Financial Information Packet. It costs nothing and it will tell you exactly what you need to do to chart a more prosperous financial course and take back what belongs to you. So, do it. Call right now. 1-800-382-0830 That's 1-800-382-0830 Or, visit our website at www.livingwealthyfinancial.com You'll be glad you did. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The info being presented does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation and does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax advisor or legal counsel or other professional. And you should not use the information in place of a personal consultation regarding your specific situation or needs prior to taking any action based on this information. We believe the info provided is real. But we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness. Good Sunday, Austin. Welcome to Living Wealthy Radio with your host, Teresa Kuhn. Good afternoon. You are listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard every Sunday at noon here on Talk Radio 1370. Streaming live at talkradio1370am.com. I am Teresa Kuhn, your host and your Bank on Yourself authorized advisor, helping individuals, families, and business owners just like you live wealthier by helping you improve your cash flow, increase your net worth, your retirement income, and money you leave to your loved ones when you die without risk. Check us out at livingwealthyradio.com. We are joined today by Eric Lotham. He is a master sales trainer who has trained tens of thousands of sales professionals nationwide. He is president and CEO of Eric Lotham International, an organization he founded to serve the needs of sales professionals worldwide, a top producing sales rep, great track record of regularly outperforming his fellow sales reps, and actually trained by some of the top trainers, uh, including Anthony Robbins. So, Eric, we are very happy to have you here today. Teresa, I'm excited to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity to join you. My pleasure. And we've talked about a little bit about what Living Wealthy Radio is about. We are committed to bringing information to our listening audience that enables you 
right, the audience, to thrive in the new economy, not just with money, but health and well-being and actions one can take to get back control of, of important areas of your life so you can be successful. An area I think, Eric, uh, you've mastered um, is success, how you were successful and how you did so in a very competitive area we're going to talk about. But for the listening audience, for those out there who think, you know what, I don't sell. Why why should I listen to what Eric has to say, right? I'm not a salesperson. I, I'm an accountant or uh, I work for corporate America. I'm a financial analyst. Uh, I'm a mom. I'm a dad. Uh, what would you say to, to our audience that thinks that way? Well, the, the first thing that I would say is um, you're like millions and millions of people. And uh, if you have that viewpoint, it's not your fault. Our culture has programmed you to think that way. So that's, that's the first thing. Um, <clears throat> let me also share with you, though, that if you could actually learn how to embrace sales, it can massively enhance your wealth. Uh, that could be financial wealth. It could be wealth in your relationships. And, you know, if you're somebody who's single and you're looking for that special someone, learning how to um, communicate, persuade, sell can help you attracting in <clears throat> that person into your life and uh, for me, um, sales skills have been uh, the key to the financial success that I've enjoyed. So there's a stigma of selling in our culture. And uh, one of the many things that I do for my clients is help them break through that stigma so they can live a life of embracing sales, which can help them attract in a lot of financial wealth. So don't we sell each and every day, even though we don't consider ourselves salespeople? I mean, don't we sell ourselves to our spouses and our our children, our bosses, our employers? Yeah, absolutely. You know, if if you expand selling to persuasion and influence, um, influencing people, I teach a concept called elegant influence. You know, how do you influence somebody to do what you want them to, but they're excited about it. So um, learning how to influence your children to uh, do their homework, to uh, come home on curfew on time, to avoid uh, drugs, things like that, that's directly related to your ability to influence them. So these are uh, life principles that impact all areas of our life, including traditional sales if you happen to be a business owner. So how can those that are not in traditional sales roles how can they increase their their wealth, their money, their income with selling? Well, it's understanding the uh, the influence process. Um, if there's anything that you want, whether it's uh, you want to get all of your family members together for a reunion, uh, and maybe there's some family members that don't want to come, you've got to influence and persuade them to come. And so there's a, a system of influence that I teach. And once you understand that, you can influence people to do uh, virtually anything that you want. I mean, it's up to them ultimately if they're going to say yes or no, but you can go in with a strategy of how to uh, how to elegantly influence them following sales systems. Wouldn't some people say that's manipulation? You know, certainly they could, they could view it that way. Um, I think the thing to, to look at is um, intent. You know, if, if I'm uh, influencing a client and – they have a resistance to selling, yet they need sales skills in order to grow their business, I'm going to use all of my influence and persuasion to move them to action, and my intention is to help them. 
Now, you could make an argument that a con man or somebody who is the leader of a cult is actually using the same principles of influence. And so influence isn't good or bad. It just, it's, just, uh, it's just what's so. And once you have these tools, it's a matter of how you choose to do them. Do you, do you use the influence skills for harm like a cult, or you do you do use the skills to empower people like Gandhi did? Mm-hmm. Good answer. I, I totally agree with that. Absolutely. Share with us a few of your techniques for influence. Like, what what would someone learn from you regarding influence and persuasion? Well, the first thing to understand is that there is a process to it. If you go to a restaurant and there's a waiting line, you're going to walk in and they're going to ask you how many in your party, and they're going to take your name down, and when it's your turn, they're going to call you, and you're going to have a seat. And usually the first thing that the server is going to do is come over and say, can I start you off with a beverage? And we could go into any restaurant in the country, and that's pretty much what we would experience. There's a process to having a meal at a restaurant, and there's a process to influence, and that process starts off with trust and rapport. When you attempt to influence somebody else, in some cases, they are in a place of resistance, especially in a a traditional uh, sales presentation. If I'm selling to somebody and they know my outcome is for them to buy my product, they may have their guard up, like, well, you know, I don't want uh, Eric to use high-pressure sales techniques. So the first step in influence, whether you're going out on a date, whether it's you're sitting down with one of your employees whether you're having a conversation with your children, whether you're uh, delivering a traditional sales presentation, is uh, to build trust and rapport, because rapport reduces resistance. And rapport is actually a state of harmony that you enter into with the prospect. It's a oneness that you create with the prospect. And then from there, the next step is to identify the needs of the other person. Uh, We want to influence them from their viewpoint, look at it from their perspective, and we're looking for a want in them, a need that they have, or a problem that whatever you're going to recommend that they do in the end is going to solve that problem. So it's going to start with building trust and rapport, and then it's going to be about identifying uh, what's their problem that you can solve. And then just a real simple sales 101 is you're going to tell them some stories, give some examples of how if they follow your suggestion that they can get the results that they want. And then we're now at the end, which is the close. And the close is simply the natural conclusion to a well-delivered presentation. We're going to lead and guide the prospect to take action. And the big takeaway from what I just shared is you go into this communication or you're influencing the other person with a plan and a sequence of what you're going to cover when. So give me an example of how that would work with a parent and child. Okay. So if I want to um, talk to my son about something that's, you know, he's not cleaning his room, and so I want to influence him to clean his room. Okay, let's go back right now to step number one. Step number one is trust and rapport. So if I walk into the communication, I start saying, look, son, you're not cleaning your room, and, and this is a problem, and you know better. Well, I just skipped right over step number one, which is trust and rapport. Um, to gain a deeper level of rapport, enter the world of your prospect and view their experience from their perspective. So what I would do is I would physically, because I'm 6'2", and my son, you know, he's nine years old, so he's like half my size, 
I'm not going to stand above him, look down on him, and talk to him because that's very intimidating when you have you know somebody as tall as me and and he's only nine years old. So I'm either going to come down on one knee and I'm going to be at his level, or I'm going to sit down with him where we're on the same level, so I'm not in this intimidating power position. And I'm going to seek to understand where he's coming from. Seek first to understand, then be understood. Um, so, Brandon, I, I wanted to um, talk with you today about uh, your room, and um, I think you know what's expected of your room as far as the cleanliness of your room. So can you share with me what, what's your understanding of what's expected? Well, Dad, we understand, and then he would tell it to me. And I'd say, yeah, that, that's correct. And um, how have you been keeping your room lately? Oh, I haven't really been keeping it very clean. Yeah, you're right. Um, anything you want to share about that? Is there anything that's causing you to um, not keep your room clean? And so I'm going to find out where he's coming from first, and then I'm going to lead and guide him to what it is that I want. I might point out the consequences of not taking action. In other words, if you don't change the behavior I want to let you know in advance what the consequences are, just so we're clear, and give him the opportunity to know exactly what it is that I want him to do. It's going to be a lot more effective than going in and yelling at him or um, communicating from an angry place or a harsh place. So that's a simple example of how to use my techniques to communicate with with your child. Excellent. So how can a uh, an employee in, in a corporation or a business, somebody that doesn't own their own business, how can they incorporate your strategies in the workplace to ultimately, I think in today's marketplace, it's about keeping your job first, right? Bring value to your employer so that hopefully you can get a raise and, and make more money. Yeah. Um, what, what you want to think about from an influence standpoint, right back to step number one, uh, which is trust and rapport. And I currently have my own business. Uh, prior to having my own business, I worked in uh, several different companies. And it was always interesting to me to watch um, employees interact with their managers in a way where they weren't building trust and rapport. They were, they were doing just the opposite of that. So if you want to influence uh, your management team, uh, build trust and rapport, ask them, say, listen, I want to do a fantastic job for you. Um, what can you share with me about what it is that you're looking for so I can make sure I'm doing the best job possible? And you can find out what um, – there's a concept called a buyer fingerprint. And what it has to do with is that um, a fingerprint – we each have our own unique fingerprint, and people have their own um, hot buttons, their own things that are important to them. You know, one manager – uh, details are really important. The other manager, it's the overall outcome. And so if you'll take the time to build trust and rapport with whoever is supervising you, find out what's important to them and align with those things that are important to them, uh, that's going to make a huge, huge difference. For the people that I manage in my own company, one of the things that is like so important to me is mindset. You know, their mindset, where they're coming from, and aligning their mindset with what's most important to me. And I think it's valuable for anybody listening that is uh, in a, an employee, you're an employee of a company, is um, to think of yourself as a producer. You've been hired to produce a result and look for ways that you can add value to the company. So in the event that there is layoffs, it's not you. And in the event that the company's in position to provide uh, additional compensation or raise, that you're the one that receives it 
because you didn't view it just as a job. You viewed it as how can I bring more value to the workplace? So let's talk about mindset because I totally agree with you. I think mindset is the most important thing that one can can have control over, right? We have control over our mind, but having the proper mindset can make the difference between having a mediocre life and having a, a life uh, that's full and wealthy and getting what you want, right, out of life. So talk about that. How do you develop your mindset? Well, a, a lot of it, um, you know, certainly like all of us listening, a school hard knocks. You know, you go through life experiences, and sometimes we go through some pretty painful ones, and it, it causes shifts in mindset. Um, but a lot of it I've learned from other people that I highly respect. And I didn't grow up um, in reading personal development books and working with mentors. That wasn't how I how I lived growing up, and when I was in my early 20s, I attended a seminar, and I met a multimillionaire, a real estate investor, and he took an interest in me, took me under his wing, he hired me, I worked for his company for a little over two years, and it was an opportunity to to spend a considerable amount of one-on-one time with a, a multimillionaire, and his mindset was very, very different than mine was in my early 20s, and what I learned out of that experience was... I was really good at building rapport with very successful people. And so over the last now 18 years from when I first met my mentor, Dante Pirano, I've probably had 10 or 15 other very, very successful businessmen come into my life that took an interest in me and would share things that you, you know, typically don't read about in a book. Just, you know, it's like, leadership skills transferred from one person to the next. And now I actively seek out mentors as part of my strategy. Back then, I just kind of met Dante, and it just kind of happened. It wasn't an intention. Um, now it's it's much a very clear in, intention in my business. So um, a lot of it now is uh, finding people that are highly successful uh, in a specific area of life and then uh, leveraging what they've learned from their experience. I do the same exact thing, and I so believe in it. I love being in a room with people that are so much smarter than me, and I have certain areas in my life that I am constantly trying to improve. One, of course, is is my business and uh, becoming technically, knowing what I do better than anybody else from a technical level, but also from uh, building a team because I've got a group of advisors that I uh, train and coach to uh, really bring the message of bank on yourself um, to, in my opinion, my mission, every individual family owner, uh, family and business owner out there. And to that end, you and I met and have started working together because there is a science behind training and coaching uh, others, right? And I think that's what you bring to the table. And with health and, and diet, nutrition, I'm constantly seeking those that have really mastered the process and know more than I do. And I think that is, is so, so important. But you do it consciously. I do it consciously. I think most people go through life learning, picking up different things here and there, but don't consciously go out and look for a mentor, yeah, I think I think that is true. I think it's it's something that is not um it's not commonly taught out there and you know, maybe for some people they feel like, well, if I'm asking for help, you know, it it, it means something about me and I I was on a call earlier just today 
with a health expert out of Calgary uh, that I met at the uh, conference that you and I met at, the Master of Influence event uh, in Palm Springs, and and uh, she was there as well, and she's an expert in, in uh, health and wellness. And so um, I spent, I don't know, almost an hour with her today just talking about nutrition and food choices and and, you know, all these things that she knew, and it was brand new to me. And I would encourage uh, all of you, think about any areas of your life that you'd like to see an improvement in, and then who could you seek out, create an association with that could pull you up to a higher level of success? And I'll, I'll share one just very quick example. I've been married for 18 years. And it, it hasn't been one long honeymoon. I don't know if there is any marriages that are. My wife and I have gone through our share of, of struggles. And there was a time where we started seeing a marriage counselor. And honestly, at first, it was, a, it was like hard for my ego to handle that. And, but it was so profound because here's this person that's dealing with married couples, helping them work through challenges. That's what they do for a living, you know, and so now I'm able to learn from their experience. And what I can honestly tell all of you is my marriage is the best it's ever been in my 18 years. And it, it, it's in part to that mindset of being open to getting um, assistance from outside people. And I think, um, I think it's just the smart thing to do. Absolutely. I, c- I could not agree with you more. And you and I run across people, run into people all day long who suffer from what's been called the arrival syndrome, right? Most people think they know it all or they know everything they need to know about a certain subject or about their life. And, and like marriage counseling, I don't know what the percentage is out there, but I think most people would, unless they're absolutely and completely desperate would never go to a marriage counselor. Mm-hmm. They'd say, there is nothing that person can teach me or can help us, right, uh, in a relationship to improve our relationship. What do they know? What can they help us with? We can figure this out. Yeah, and it's amazing. You know, you get just one little idea. I'll, I'll share an interesting one that I picked up from my pastor recently. Um, he was talking about spending time with his kids. Now, his kids are in college now, and he, he would take his children out on these um uh, daddy-daughter dates or daddy-son dates and um, just spend one-on-one time with his kids to build relationship. And so I, I was talking with my wife, and I said, we've got to do this. Now, I have two kids. I have a son and a daughter. And I told my wife, I said, let's pick a day. And it changes each week because my schedule's not predictable always. So this Friday, my son and I are going to spend time together, and my daughter is going to spend time with with my wife. And it's just going to be one-on-one time with them. And had I not been open to that idea, I never would have picked it up. And here I am implementing it in my life, and that's leveraging, you know, this a pastor who has kids much older than me, and he's had, you know, from his viewpoint, very successful relationships with his children. And you can glean those types of ideas, and you look at the implementation of, of me spending a, an evening with my son or daughter once a week for the next 10 years, and what that could mean to their futures, you know, and it's a, it's a huge, huge idea, and I didn't know that myself. I learned it from someone else, and that's what happens when you leverage the brain power of other people is you can get ideas that you never would have thought of. There are brilliant ideas that can make your life go better. Right, and and you are a sales coach. You are an influence persuasion coach, and working with you, what it does is puts together a process 
methodology to improving a certain area in one's life that, you know, you want to improve. Like in our case, what we're working together is putting together an effective and productive sales team, right? For other people, it might be something different. Your website is saleschampion.com. Uh, you can go to livingwealthyradio.com. We have a link there to saleschampion.com and Eric Lopholm's, uh website and information. Great blog, great training, not only for those that sell for a living, but those who want to improve their relationships. Uh, we are going to take a station break, and when we come back, we will continue with Eric. And Eric, I'd like to discuss more about how you have included your children in your business and what you're teaching them there. So we'll be right back. Living Wealthy Radio with your host, Teresa Kuhn. with Eric Lofholm discussing raising children and using his his skill sets, his influence and persuasion techniques to, to raising good children and also mindset. Very, very important having the proper mindset to learn from others, especially if there's an area in your life that you want to, to improve. And Eric, you were talking about something you learned from your pastor in terms of getting together and having weekly dates with your children. But what's also interesting to me, what you've done with your children, is include them in your business. They're actually working for you, even though they're quite young, because you think it's very important to teach entrepreneurial skills to your children. Yeah, my kids are six and nine now, my, and they both work for me. My daughter actually started working for me, believe it or not, at age two. Uh, my son was five, and... I have them work with me for a couple of reasons. One is that um, I don't believe that the school systems today are properly preparing kids for the type of jobs that are going to be available in the future. And so I take personal responsibility to teach my children entrepreneurial skills. And so having them involved in my business uh, is a great way to do it. Um, I also like the idea, instead of just giving them money, it's like if you want money for a video game or for clothes or whatever, then you can earn that money. And so um, we uh, pay them an hourly rate. And the, the reason why I got the, how I got the idea to have my kids work for me is um, when I was seven years old, I used to work for my father. And uh, he paid me 50 cents an hour when I first got started, and I worked for his pharmacy. He owns his own business until uh, I was age 17. And I learned uh, work ethic I learned um, to be responsible for my own money. I, I, I learned to take uh, um, ownership, even though it was his business. I thought of it as mine because he was my dad. And uh, it's no surprise that I ended up becoming a business owner um, because I learned that from my father at a, a very young age. So um, one of the things that people have around kids is they think, well, my kids are too young. <laughs> and um, you, you'll be blown away at what your kids are capable of. And uh, I think it's just a great idea to have them involved and have them learning 
what it's like to uh, work at an early age. And uh, so that may um, be an inspiration for some of you to consider having your children work with you. I I could not agree with you more. Our school systems really are set up to educate kids to become employees, I think, uh, to become good corporate citizens. And that's not what I want for my child. I don't know what he wants, right? But I've helped him start his business. He's got a pet sitting business about five years ago. I have worked from home. I have had my own business forever. I am unemployable, cannot work for someone else. And so what he learned from hanging out with me, and he's got a desk in my office and has done his homework and hangs out there, um, he's learned how to speak to the public, how to speak to people, how to uh, market, because he had to market his pet sitting business, right? Uh, Had to put the word out there, uh, how to ask for uh, the sale, right? How to close the sale, how how to get the business, especially in our little neighborhood, pet sitting is a little competitive. There are a lot of pet sitters out there, a lot of kids. Right, which is pretty funny, but it is. It's kind of competitive. And how to get paid what he thinks he's worth for a certain job, right? Cats are a little easier to pet sit than dogs, and he should ask more for dogs, right, if he's going to pet sit. But I have to ask you, what what did your two-year-old do for you in your business? <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of funny how uh, it wasn't my intention to have her uh, work with me at two, um, I have a uh, I do public seminars, and um, I went to my son when he was five, and I said, you know, would you like to earn some money and come and speak uh, at my event? And I was inspired actually by one of the children of one of my students. Her name is uh, Debbie Severn, and Debbie's son uh, learned goal setting from his mom. I taught Debbie goal setting. Debbie taught her son goal setting, and there was a really cool story that came out of it. And so I. I asked her son if he would speak at one of my events. He agreed to do so, and he did such a great job, I started hiring him to come speak at my events. And so he's 16 now, so he's been speaking for six years at my events. And I thought, well, I should have my son do it. So I had my son at age five, hey, you want to make some money? Come speak. And, and so I remember getting my son up that morning, and uh, my daughter, she was you know, two, almost three, and she heard us. And so she's like, you know, what are you guys doing? oh, we're going down to my seminar, Brandon's going to come and speak. And so she goes, well, I want to speak. You know, she just like so wants to be like her big brother. And so they both came down that day, and uh, Brandon and Sarah both made their speaking debuts. And uh, my daughter now uh, has gotten shy, at least for the time being. So she'll come in and and uh, package the CD sets up and do filing for us. And my son actually will work the phones and do confirmation calls uh, for people registered for my seminar, and uh, so that's uh, how it got started. How fantastic. You know the skill sets that he's learning at a very young age. I mean, talk about a competitive advantage, having you and your wife as parents and exposing him to what it's like to own a business. Because for many, many people out there, what we do, Eric, being business owners, is something that so many people would love to do, but they're too scared to. They think it's completely out of reach. They think, you know, they've got to work for somebody else. Yep. So what would you, what advice would you give to those that are thinking that way, that they're stuck in the grind, that they're stuck working for someone else, that that's their lot in life, and until they retire, which is a word I do not like, do not believe in, but, you know, that's that's the mindset of so many people, that not until they retire can they do something they love. Well, 
I'll I'll say that there's there's an incredible reward as a business owner in the struggle. And so people might say, well, I don't want to be a business owner because it's hard and, you know, what if I fail and what if I have challenges? And it's actually, it's one of the best parts because uh, to put yourself in a position to grow, to learn, um, to become a leader, uh, you know, I've had, having my business for 12 and a half years, I mean, you know, numerous struggles, all kinds of things that have happened, cash flow challenges, employee issues, whatever, all kinds of things have happened. And every one of those things that has happened has caused me to become more as a person. And it's it's very, very rewarding. So I would just plant a seed for, if anyone is listening right now, considering starting a business and you have fear around it, you know, the, the uh, downside, the negative things that happen are actually one of the best things about it because of who you become as a person. And that's so true, who you become in the process, right? Look back 12 and a half years ago, who were you when you started that business compared to who you are today? And you might be very far away from what you believe is your ultimate goal, right? But look at how far you've come. Yeah, one one thing, just like the event that you and I, um, we met at in, in Palm Springs, there was over 1,200 people at this seminar, and some of the top trainers in the world were asked to speak at that seminar, and, and I was fortunate enough to be one of the people that was asked to present there, and had I never started my business, I never would have had that opportunity, and it was just like this amazing experience, and a lot of fun. I met a lot of wonderful people. That's how uh, Teresa and I uh, connected. And there's these things that happen out of your growth and out of the 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 struggle and who you become and the leader that you can become and, and the person of influence that you can be with your family and your children and the impact you can have. And one thing I really get joy out of, I was sharing this with my uh, sales mentor, a gentleman named Dr. Donald Moyne, and I emailed him recently. And I was just sharing with him how proud I was of myself for having four people that work for me, and we're hiring another one. And so, you know, here in this down economy, I'm making a contribution by hiring people. Um, it's just a really neat uh, neat benefit that you get when you're a business owner. Absolutely. Like you, uh, I am a big fan of masterminds, and many many of our listeners may not know what a mastermind is. And a mastermind, actually a mastermind group, was first described, I think, in Napoleon Hill's 1937 um, book, Think and Grow Rich. And his definition is a, a small club or a small group of like-minded individuals who meet periodically for the mutual brainstorming and accountability sessions. Yeah, you know, I was introduced to it just like the source that you described in Napoleon Hill in, in the book Think and Grow Rich. And, and you can, uh, you know, all of you listening, you can Google masterminding and pick up the Think and Grow Rich book. And, and uh, basically what, what Napoleon Hill discovered in studying the wealthiest people uh, of the time was that many of them would uh, get together in groups and they would share ideas. And the, the principle of mastermind, two or more people come together. So let's say Teresa and I are masterminding. Well, there, there's Teresa, there's myself, there's two of us, and then there's a third imaginary mastermind. It makes Teresa more intelligent, it makes myself more intelligent, and we're able to leverage each other's brain power and come up with concepts that we never would have come up with on our own. We're able to build uh, on ideas. And so 
what I did, I, I read that in the book uh, years ago, and I thought, well, I'm going to form a group. And so I invited some people, hey, you want to get together and mastermind? And we had no clue what we were doing, but <laughs> we would get together and we'd there's really no wrong way to do it, you know. You just you're sharing ideas with each other, and and I just fell in love with the idea, and I would always come up with concepts beyond what I had come up with on my own, and I participated in many of them through the years. I've led many of them. It's actually a product that we now have in my company where I lead. I have three different groups that I lead, and people fly in to come to these groups, and and we share ideas, and you can do them over the phone. You can um, find a group of local, maybe local businesses that are all interested in, in supporting each other. Um, it could be a, a weekly meeting. It could be you know once a quarter. There's a lot of different ways to do it. And for the purposes of our time today, what I would just say is if you're intrigued by the idea, go do some research on it and just do what I did. Just try it out. You know, Either join a group or form a group. And uh, see if you fall in love with it like I did. And, and I'll be a part of uh, groups like that for the rest of my career. I, I could not agree with you more. It, it absolutely, if there's if there's two things, if someone was to ask me, okay, Teresa, what, what are the two most important things that have attributed to your success? Number one, it would be uh, mindset, learning the mindset of those that I believe were successful and, and, and taking on that mindset and their way of thinking. And number two, my mastermind groups. And those groups have changed over time. Um, the players have changed. The topics have changed. What we're working on has changed. But the the concept of the group, right now I think I'm involved with three different mastermind groups, and they are all fantastic. Some are big. Some are small. doesn't matter. We meet virtually. I actually have a, a new one that I'm participating in here in the fall, and that is actually one in person. It'll be a, an accountability group. I, I think it's fantastic. And you, you had a mastermind partner that recently passed away this year. Well, I, um, I, I met with a gentleman. His name is uh, Brian Clemmer. And uh, Brian, when he was alive, was the leader of a very, very successful seminar company. Uh, the company still exists to this day, uh, but he, he's no longer with us. And I met with him to create an alliance with his company, and he said that he was looking for a new mastermind partner, and would I like to uh, be that for him? And I was speechless. I, this is a guy who, um, you know, probably take my level of success, which I feel, you know, a very successful individual. He's like four levels beyond where I was at the time. And uh, so, I'm, yeah, I'd love to, to uh, connect with you in that way. And so we started meeting about every six weeks, and we would block out um, six to eight hours at a time. And I would drive to his office, or he'd drive to mine. We're about two hours apart. And uh, we would share ideas. And it was very, uh, very powerful. A lot of wonderful things came out of that. I mean, one thing, I'm going to Hawaii August 3rd to teach my first public seminar in Hawaii, and that came as a direct referral from Brian. Uh, he introduced me to uh, Ray Gustin, who's my promoter over there. So that was one neat thing, and many, many other wonderful things have happened out of that. And uh, and then a couple months ago, we we had our, our day of masterminding. We had a wonderful day, and, and uh, the next day he suddenly passed away. He was age 61. And when I look back on my time with him, I'm so glad that we created the mastermind partnership because uh, that was very fond memories and I had a chance to connect with Brian in that way and you know then all of a sudden he was gone so uh, it uh, it 
it was a very, very uh, powerful uh, mastermind relationship. I bet, I bet. And masterminds are not about taking. It's not about what you can get from it, although you certainly do benefit greatly. It really is about participating and sharing and giving, right? It's a two-way street or, or multiple-way street, right? You, you, If you've got multiple partners, with your relationship with Brian, it was more of a two-way street. And I think the concept is biblical, you know, it, it talks about how when two or more are gathered in my name, right, I think it's the same exact concept. Napoleon Hill takes it from, you know, takes it away from the Bible and the biblical perspective, more secular, but uh, still very, very, very powerful. Yeah, and if you look at like a company, a lot of times they'll have a board of advisors. You know, that's like a mastermind. So mm-hmm. there's there's um, the biblical example, there's the, the corporate structure, and and then there's individuals getting together with the spirit of supporting each other. And uh, it just it makes great sense, and they're very, very um, uh, rich, valuable relationships. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. So this is Teresa Kuhn with Living Wealthy Radio. We have been speaking with Eric Lopholm, who is a master sales trainer, master trainer in influence and persuasion. We've got a link on the livingwealthyradio.com website to his website, but you can go direct to saleschampion.com. Highly, highly recommend working with Eric if you want to increase your income, increase the influence you have on your relationships. Eric, your training is fantastic, absolutely wonderful, and I am very blessed to be working with you and looking forward to the success that my team is going to have because of, of you and I working together. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate the uh, the kind words and I had a, a wonderful time uh, sharing these ideas with the listeners today. Great. All right. This is Teresa Kuhn, Living Wealthy Radio. Check us out at livingwealthyradio.com. Have a great Sunday.